All right, who wants to make some money? Everyone. Everyone wants to make some money. So here's the easiest way to add a few bucks to the wallet. Denver's newest travel hack is here, and it's called Drift Car Sharing. Drift shares locally owned cars with incoming travelers at Denver Airport for a better experience than car rental. Skip the chaos and save on time and fees when you book. Or you can share your car to earn and park for free when you travel. Plus, there's no under 25 fee rule, so it's perfect for friends coming in to visit. Drift is great if you're going home for break and perfect for extended travel like a semester abroad. Allstate Insurance covers your car for every trip and, and Drift cleans it for you inside and out. That's right. Even if your car is rented out while you travel, isn't rented out while you travel, Drift will clean your car upon your arrival. Get all the info on Drift.com. That's dri- drivedrift.com. Drivedrift.com. That's actually a pretty cool thing. Like, you get to go, you going away for a couple weeks to travel, you don't mind someone driving your car around, and maybe you pay for a little chunk of your trip while you're gone. Zach, you're traveling this week, so maybe you can uh, t- let us know how it goes. It's a perfect thing. I'll do it. <laughs> all right. Uh, of course, welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast. And what's that voice I hear? Are you back? I'm back. You're back, baby. <laughs> days away i get a little rusty forget to toss to the intro <laughs> we'll just roll it in right there in the middle um welcome into the dnvr broncos podcast ryan konigsberg zach stevens and andrew mason here with you the full squad sorry i've been away for a little while guys and it's probably going to be a few times here and there throughout the next few weeks as I, that i'm out as i work on a large project that hopefully by the end of it you say that was amazing and a couple of people ask me oh is that video you dropped yesterday was at the project and I was like oh god no <laughs> that video that took me about my part of it took about 20 minutes this thing that I'm working on is a lot larger than that the hype is real for this mysterious project I hope it I hope it all comes together the way that it exists in my head it certainly will um but if you didn't if you didn't see the Drew Lock explainer vid that's another cool thing we're doing at DNVR, really just trying to bring you guys more and more content. A lot, you know, we're trying to make it look slick and cool and clean, and I think that's a great example of it. It's on the website. It's also on Twitter, so check that out. And, of course, the DNVR Broncos podcast is presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Great morning for some warm Strava Craft Coffee or hot Strava Craft Coffee, depending how you like it. Uh, I even drank some hot coffee no this morning. Way. That's how cold it is. No way. So, uh Shout out to Strava for keeping us warm on this winter-like morning here in Denver, Colorado. How'd you guys? Uh, how'd you guys survive the trek? It was tough. It was tough because Ryan, as they say, when it's cold, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> <laughs> I fishtailed once, whew, a little bit when I was uh, coming uh, down Havana, not too far from here, but there were no other cars around, so no problem. But it's not so much the snow, it's the ice, and uh, 
not exactly a bang-up job of clearing the roads today by uh, CDOT. Yeah, do better. It's I guess it's their preseason. I-25, it was a war zone coming down here. So I had a feeling that I-25 was going to be like that. I took the back way here. I, I did slip and slide through one stop sign, uh, but otherwise we were all good. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, uh, how was the scraping experience? It was miserable. It, w- it was awful. I can't believe how bad this storm was. You know, yesterday, I think, did we hit 80? We did. Yeah, we, 83. We hit 83. Then the weather forecasters are saying, ah, you're going to get a little snow in Denver. This morning, woke up, went for a little run. It was fine. Nothing. You nothing went for bad. a run this morning? Yeah, that's, you're that's, sick. that's what my girlfriend said, you're too. You're sick. Was and it snowing at all or just lightly snowing? Lightly snowing, nothing on the ground. And then two hours later, three hours later, come out to my car. Almost, it, it was insane how thick the ice was. This storm, I don't know if we're going to be able to leave. Maybe we'll just do a full day podcast here. Oh, podcast lovely. marathon. <laughs> I love it. Until the Broncos play. All right. We don't get off the airways. That's um, a terrible idea. The Buffs idea. play tomorrow <laughs> night, so that's not going to work for me. Uh, but, yeah. Crazy, crazy ice. Luckily, I have a garage at the apartment now, which I didn't have to deal with it. You lucky. But I did have a negative side effect of the ice. I woke up to people just hacking away. (laughs) And so I know it was probably hard for you to scrape. And you wasted all your energy running, so it was probably even harder. (laughs) Good thing I wasn't scraping with my legs. That's true. That's true. Uh, Anyways, we got a game to talk about. Broncos, Titans. Dare I say a must win <laughs> for the Broncos. It's uh, a must win. They're all yeah. must wins at this point. When you start off 0-4, every game is a must win if you're trying to get back into it. Well, technically, you can lose two. <laughs> Maybe. But 10-6 and six is no guarantee at the playoffs. Yeah, but I don't think anyone would be complaining about <laughs> it. Um, they got to win this one for sure if they're going to have any path back to relevancy. Where where have you guys been on the discussion uh, about the game so far this week, and, and what do we need to cover here? Comes down, what, what we said yesterday was this game, in my opinion at least, the key to winning this game is tackling. If the Broncos tackle well, and Mace found the, the perfect stat, in last game, their only game they won, they had two missed tackles. The week before that, against the Jaguars, with the similar offensive approach that the Titans are going to take, they had four. Teen oh my God. missed tackles. And you're, you're experiencing a similar back, probably even a more dangerous and a better back in Derrick Henry over Leonard Fournette. So to me, if the Broncos tackle, if it's close to two missed tackles, they win the game. But the if sig- it's anywhere yeah. close to 14, they lose. But the significant thing there is that in the course of the first four games, the top three Broncos in missed tackles were Bradley Chubb, Will Parks, and Adam Gotsis. How about that? And what's the non-negotiable trait that Vic Fangio looks for in defensive players? Got to tackle. Now, Gotta Chubb tackle. did a lot of other good things to to keep himself in the lineup had he not had the, had the torn ACL. Well, but Adam Gotts is missing tackles. Will Parks missing tackles. It's going to get you a ticket to the bench. And Will Parks uh, saw his role reduced. And Adam Gotts was inactive last week, likely to be inactive this week. And outside linebacker in situations is is not the worst position to be missing tackles from because a lot of times you get into the backfield you might miss a tackle but you delayed the entire play the whole the rest of the team comes and swarms um you'd have to look at specific examples for Bradley to know if they were that detrimental but that's huge and so much of that in my opinion comes up comes from solidifying the middle of that defense AJ Johnson Kareem Jackson. Those two guys led the team in tackles. I think Kareem had 10 and AJ had 9. 
that's I mean that's why that defense looked different. And Vic didn't a hundred percent commit to playing uh, Kareem only at safety this week, but I think he would be crazy to change up that formula because even if you struggle a little bit covering from the nickel position, the missile that he was from the safety position was a game changer. Yeah, and it's the biggest concern with this defense. I'm not going out on a limb here. Is that other cornerback position? But what we talked about yesterday too is. This is a game you can afford that. Now, Marcus Mariota can still exploit that weakness, but four days later, that's that's going to be a massive problem when you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, especially when they have Tyreek Hill back like it seems it's going to be. But this week, it's not as important, but it may take Kareem Jackson a little bit, his attention away from the run game, maybe Justin Simmons away from the run game, just to help that other side. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to get beat on that side and that ends up losing you the game. Man, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but Tyreek Hill playing in that game (laughs) is pretty much a death sentence. Because you kind of have to go man against Patrick Mahomes if you want to have any chance. And someone is going to be singled up that that's going to be a bad matchup for you. Yeah, Patrick just really quick on that, Patrick Mahomes is a zone killer you i mean honestly going zone against him borders on insanity just lose yeah just 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 forfeit just just pack it in (laughs) i I wonder if he's ever lost a game against a team that went uh predominantly zone that's a great question Mm, i would doubt it don't think so i would doubt it because last year it was the jags i'm gonna forget but I, i i don't think so i mean that's why the broncos had success against him at least what what you consider success against them i think they held them to 27 and two 30. games in the 20s right or oh, was or it th- or was it 30 in kansas city was it 27 and 24 i don't remember yeah. uh but sounds good they did a good job all right let's not go too far ahead <laughs> one thing um that and if the broncos are thinking this <laughs> well, then they're no. gonna lose this week. Well, remember we have to talk about it a little bit because it's a short week next week that's true that's what, that's what the coaching staff should be doing as well just slowly but surely work it in well it actually makes things a little bit different for the coaching staff this weekend because typically when you play on Thursday night they'll take some extra time on for example Friday and Saturday after the players have finished their practice repetitions and they're out the door they'll take some extra time and start getting a jump on Kansas City so I would imagine by the time the Broncos take the field, against the Tennessee Titans that on the back end, they've already done some prep work and laid the groundwork for what they're going to do against Kansas City. It probably wouldn't be the worst idea to try and work in some of your man schemes this week. Yeah, seriously. Mm -hmm. It's going to be my question to Vic, so stay tuned. All right, I I will be tuned. Um, (laughs) Hopefully they bring Vic inside today. I hope so. Unless, you know what? This may be Vic's perfect scenario, though. Just throw the hoodie on, stand outside, have three reporters there, get three questions, be done in 90 seconds. Yeah, they're <laughs> definitely, because of that possibility, they're yeah. not. Well, uh, cold weather will, they'll keep it outside. If it's cold weather with precipitation, better chance that it's inside. And it's still snowing out there. Boy, it'd be a good TV shot, though. Vic just standing in a blizzard, snow just bashing his face. Wearing a hoodie. Bright red. <laughs> yeah, wearing the same, or not the hoodie, but the same gray crew neck sweatshirt. And the khaki shorts, too. <laughs> yeah. I think he'll retire those. Um, speaking of attire, Broncos going with the dark blues this week. And Mace and I love talking about uniforms. Zach, I don't think you mind it. Dark blue, dark blue. 
What is that? It's an emo song. That's oh. all I know about oh, it. Oh, wow. Are you emo or scene? <laughs> I'm, I was neither. No, I was sports, is, is what I say. <laughs> um, Mace, your mm-hmm. take. Blue on white on Sunday. It's fine. I mean, I'm not a fan of the blue jerseys in general. I know there are some people you know, we that get some disagreement are because of the attachment to the Super Bowl years in particular back in the 1990s. But part of the problem I have with the navy blue jerseys is that too many teams wear blue or navy blue in particular. I mean, you just kind of just go down the list of teams that wear navy. The Tennessee Titans have a lot of navy, and they have navy blue helmets right now. Seattle, it's not navy, but it's definitely a darker blue. I'd call it navy. Giants are royal blue. New England is navy. Um, the Rams are going away. F- they're they're going away from the gold, but they their primary uniform uh, when they're on the road is white and navy. Now yep. when they're at home, it's royal blue and yellow with navy helmets. Why are they? They're mixing up too many colors. The char- the Chargers still have a navy alternate uniform. They use it as their primary uniform for a long time. Houston. Wears navy. Dallas's change wow. shirt is navy. Chicago, the Bears are navy. The, the NFL prob- logo's navy. Yeah, the problem I have with the navy blue is just too many teams are wearing it. It's and, and so why be like everyone else? I mean, basically, the Broncos color scheme is the exact same as the Chicago Bears. When they had the lighter blue, it wasn't. Mace, would you say you often wear neon green just on a regular day? <laughs> I know where you're going with this. <laughs> it's Just because different, it's different. It's different for football <laughs> uniforms than it is for actual clothes that saying. you're wearing on everyday basis. Look, when I worked for the Broncos, if I would wear like a team color, team gear, it would generally be navy because it was better for day to day wearing. But for the football uniform, it's different. I love how I got you to be defensive without even making my point. Now, neon green is terrible. I think we can agree that when Seattle wears that, it's a hideous look. It is. But orange is a, orange at least makes the Broncos relatively distinct as a primary jersey compared to the rest of the league. And when they were Navy, it was just so blah. And, of course, there was the infamous quote from the late Pat Bowen about how the jerseys were predominantly orange because they had the big orange swoosh. And that's another topic entirely. I hate that stupid swoosh up the sides. <laughs> it's funny that he said they were predominantly orange when they – I don't think he knew what the word predominantly meant. Um, here's the thing is I actually agree with your take on the orange totally um, separates the Broncos. It makes them unique. And if you look at a team like the Nuggets, it's like nothing makes – like nothing makes the Nuggets unique other than the fact that they're called the Nuggets, which is super unique and cool. The rainbow does. Totally. Like that's that, what and that's why everyone ride. loves it. And that's why everyone ride loves it. And that's rainbow. why fans wear orange into the stadium every week. But when it comes down to what actually looks better, the blue jerseys like on the players, they just look more powerful but in they, those in my They opinion. don't look good with blue pants. No, the blue, the blue on, on blue, the, the blueberries, as I call them, are not <laughs> a good look. Right, because if you're a, a, a fat or a corpulent, if you want to be kind, offensive or defensive lineman, you look like a blueberry wandering around out or there. Or what's the, what the, what's the name of the character in Willy Wonka? Turns into a blueberry. Uh, was that Violet? I think Violet so. Beauregard, right? Yeah, yeah. When I'm turning Violet, Violet. <laughs> when I think prime time, I think dark blue. Why? I just think oh, they've it, worn I think it, it a lot. Looks better in uh, at night under the lights. I do. 
Yeah, I'm but with you. This, I mean, this game's not prime time or anything like that. But really, who who cares about the jersey colors? Me. You you you, you hit you hit okay. it on the head. You're like me and Mace care about this. You just didn't mention who me. Who cares? And you're, you're probably right. Over the years, I've gotten more emotional reaction, more response to discussing uniform stuff than almost any other topic. Certainly, get more response to that than discussing ownership. It's the identity. Oh, I mean, look yeah. at the look at the response we got when we rebranded and changed the way that our company looks. But here's here's what I was going to say. Logo, I'm all for talking about. I understand how that's important. How fans get behind that. But jer- what colored jerseys you wear on a Sunday? I think. It, it, Unless One you thing. go Seattle Seahawk with it, unless you go crazy. Well, ask yourself this: When the Broncos had navy as their primary color, you looked around the stands and you saw some people in navy, white. some people in orange, some people in white. But then they changed to orange as the primary jersey color, and it didn't take long to go back to having the sea of orange the way that you had back in the earlier orange days and the way it still looks at the university of Tennessee, for example, when you walk now you get to late season, people start wearing jackets. The effect is tempered a little bit, but those early season games where everyone is wearing, almost everyone in the stands is wearing orange. You walk in there and you see all that orange that it looks like a college game. And that, I, th- I think that has a positive impact on the team. But see, I think that's that's not a game-by-game game thing. And, and I'm taking this as like a game-by-game game approach. Because the Broncos are wearing blue this week, I don't think everyone is going to show up wearing blue. You no, know? no but the so, stands aren't going to look as good if you've got a lot of blue dotting in there with the orange and people wearing white. It's just not going to look well, as good. A lot of people are probably going to be wearing their Champ Bailey jerseys, which are most likely blue. Uh, really quick, Zach. Say that color, the bright one that we're, we've been talking about. Orange? Say it. Orange. Orange. You <laughs> pronounce the A. We just say orange as orange. if it's O-R-N-G-E. Mm, we have one for you. What was it? We talked about it yesterday. You and I say it differently, and I wanted to see what Ryan says, but we can't say the, the word. The nickname of the NFL team in Jacksonville. Oh, the Jaguars. Thank you. <laughs> I, when I was Zach a kid, was saying I, Jaguars, and, I, Jaguars. And a lot of people say Jaguars, and I said, okay, I get Jaguars. I get the English pronunciation, Jaguar. Yeah. But where do people look at the word Jaguar, J-A-G-U-A-R, and get wire? I don't know. (laughs) I did that when I was a kid, and then, um, slight flex, my mom got a Jaguar, (laughs) the car, and... That's more than a slight flex. She... she would just roast me for saying Jaguar, so I just I, I changed it. She's like, it doesn't sound nearly as cool if you say you drive a Jaguar, as if you Jaguar. I mean, Jaguar. That's that really sounds like the the classiest uh, name. But since I don't have a Jaguar, then it, it's cooler just to it, it's cooler just to put the team down. You it know? honestly I sounds like, like something that, that like uh, like Peyton Manning would use as an insult. Like he's just a Jaguar. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it actually sounds like a. Uh, a Philip Rivers insult. Right, yeah, that, that works too. <laughs> oh, right, right. Right. But instead of a, instead of instead a jack of a... wire, it's a jack wire. Right, get out of here, you jack wire. <laughs> All right, guys. So let's... Or, I wonder if that's a Colorado thing. Orange. Sure. Orange. How do you say it, Mace? Orange. He... Orange? Yeah, I mean, that's the way orange. it's spelled. But we just, we just say orange. So we just take out, yeah, take just out like the we a. do with mountains. Right. We just take out sometimes letters we just, where we want. Yeah. Sometimes it's more pick- laid back casual in Colorado. It is. What about, uh, well, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> so we're figuring out the Colorado accent, huh? Yeah, yeah slowly but yep. surely. Yep. The other thing is people say we speak slowly. 
But that might be the effects of other things in Colorado. <laughs> we may have to change that to finish this podcast in time. That we'll is true. We'll be it up. All right. Um, speaking of this game, and speaking of wearing blue, let's do a few over-unders for this game. And let's start honoring Champ Bailey. How many pick sixes will be in this game at point five? Because, of course, Champ Bailey was wearing the dark blue when he had that famous pick six. Um. I am going to say under. <laughs> Seems like a safe bet here. Well, you got to give some juice, like plus 400 on over or something. You win the whole thing. You, you, it doesn't matter what, what well, you do. Now then you just might as well take it. <laughs> Mace, you going to be bold? It's got to be under. Yeah, I'm going under as well. I mean, All how right. many pick sixes have there been around the league so far this season? Interceptions the last few years have been down, right? Yep. So... Quarterbacks are just throwing short, safe passes now. You got rid of Aqib Tlaib, who was your pick six guy. Devontae Bosby may have been your best chance this year for a pick six. They're not going to throw it, Chris. Nope. So, yeah. By the way, did you guys talk about that? What? Keenan Allen comment? No, we didn't. Oh, my God. Maybe maybe it'll be in the comments. Because I could go for a while on that one. Yeah. It's a lack of self-awareness. It was bad. It was bad. I mean, how can you say that after you just got – you lost – and you didn't do anything. I honestly didn't know if those comments were real when I, I first saw it. I'm so with you, especially because it didn't come from like a yeah Sports Illustrated. Uh, right. I shouldn't mention them because they've <laughs> killed their credibility yeah. a little bit themselves. Uh, but it didn't come from ESPN or even, you know, uh, the NVR. Yep. Like it came from something I've never heard of. Yeah. And I was like, this, ha- this is fake. So yeah. by the way, 15 touchdowns off interceptions this year league-wide. So an average of basically – Three per week, league-wide. Oh, I'm feeling better more. about the chances that's a little now. more. <laughs> All right, let's go. Did you want to talk about Keenan Allen? What he said was... Well, he said, Chris Harris Jr. can't hold my jock strap. <laughs> but he can hold you to four catches for 18 yards, and I believe when Chris was in coverage, it was even less than that. It was. I think it was mm-hmm. two. I think it was two catches, so I don't know what you're talking about, Keenan Allen. He was also the one that said, um, after the Broncos beat them last year, that they were a bad team. Well, now you've lost to the, that bad team twice in a row, bud. What does that make you? Exactly. Mm. All right, Joe Flacco sacks. This one may have a little more controversy. Two and a half. Mm, I'm going to go under. Under. Okay, Mace. Joe Flacco times sacked. Hmm. How many sacks do the Titans have so far this season? That's what I was trying to look up right now. I don't know. So, go well, off that. Go with your gut. <laughs> uh, I, I don't like. Hang. I'm. I'm actively looking this up right so now. You know, it's a good because line. I don't like gut oh, feelings. Okay, I found okay, it. Okay, seventeen. Fourth, fourth most sacks in the league. They're averaging three point four per game. So I'm gonna go with the over. See, this is where we're gonna prove that going with your gut is better than following the numbers. And I'm going over as well. Titans turnovers. This is a team that does not turn the ball over. So we'll go point five. Will they have a turnover? Uh, no. 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 I, going with my gut here, I'm going to go yes. I'm going to go, I, I think the, the crowd noise, the pressure gets to Marcus Mariota. Broncos sacks, three and a half. Because we know Marcus Mariota doesn't turn the ball over, but he does go to the ground. What was it again? Three and a half. Three and a half sacks on Mariota. Over. Hmm. Mace? Three and a half sacks. Um, 
Uh, Titans giving up four point uh, four yep. per game. Of course, it's spiked uh, by the Jaguars game back on Thursday Night Football a few weeks back. I'm gonna go under. Gonna go under. I love it. I'm also going under as well. I think he really has a focus to get the ball out quick. All right, who has more touches, Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman? Lindsay. Phil. All right, I'm going to go Royce Freeman. I think uh, the coaching staff's really going to rely on Royce to give Phil some time off. All right, and final one here, Derrick Henry rushing yards, 100.5. Under, significantly. Under, significantly. Woo. His top game this year is what, exactly 100 yards? Yep. Give me the under. Give you the under and give me the over. You could drop 25 yards off that. I'm still taking the under. So you believe in the Mike Purcell, Alexander Johnson effect? I believe in the Broncos just saying that's the only way they can beat us. Just shut him down. I believe in A.J. Brown actually being the guy I'm most concerned about making explosive play and being the Broncos more than Derrick Henry. That could very well happen. All right, guys, let's just stay with this game. What happens? Who wins? The Broncos win this game, uh, and I think they win it in somewhat somewhat handily. I think the Broncos are going to win this game 24-14 to 14, uh, and just generally be in control from start to finish. Wow. Okay. Okay. That'll be the first time we've seen that this year, obviously. Yep. First time we've seen that in a long time. Mace, what are you taking? Both of these teams should be one game better than their records indicate. So the Titans really should be three and two. The Broncos should be two and three. Playing the game in Denver, it comes down to a coin flip. Brandon McManus is a better kicker than Cody Parkey. I think Parkey will miss one. I think McManus will hit. A majority of his kicks, I'm going Denver 16, Tennessee 14. All right, 16 to 14. Oh, I should also mention the line. It's Broncos minus two. You still sticking with that? You going with the push? I can't pick the push. I mean, come on. (laughs) Damn it. Why can't it be a half? Why can't it be one and a half? All right, 17, 14 then. 17, 14, there you go. And we're all going to take the Broncos. I do not feel as good about this. I want to pick either team 17, 16. But I'll go Broncos. No cover. Remember that for unsolicited picks. 19 to 16. Oh. I'll give them So what's edge. happening? Is Cody Parkey hitting three field goals? Are they going for two twice and getting it? Is there a safety involved? Is there a missed PAT and a field goal? I, seem, I feel very stupid saying this, but I trust Cody Parkey in this game. Well, I do too because I had to pick him up on my fantasy team because my <laughs> kicker is on a bye. I don't, I don't know how why. Many, how many did their kicker miss last week? Four? Four. Carlos so, Santos. And they lost by – so that that's 12 points. They lost by seven. Right. To the, your Bills. But think about all those attempts. Like this, That means this, this, uh, this offense gets in position but doesn't finish them off. Gosh, I want to I want to take those two points and roll with the Titans. I'll, I'll stick with the Broncos here. All right, let's move around the AFC West. Go Steelers at Chargers. Chargers, seven-point favorites. What's the name of the Steelers' new quarterback? No idea. That's why I'm picking the Chargers. I've got faith in this guy <laughs> out of Samford. Um, he's probably friends with... Kelvin McKnight Jr. Samford, not Stanford. Did they promote uh, Paxton Lynch? They have Paxton Lynch now. 
Yeah, they he do. was on the practice squad. I would think so. So if Mason Rudolph's unavailable, Paxton Lynch is the next man up. No. Uh, oh, the next man up after, after the guy right. whose name I don't know. After dude. <laughs> I'm taking the uh, – I think the Chargers are headed for a tailspin. Wow, that would be a, quite a tailspin. Yep. That would be I-25 this morning type tailspin. Yep. Mace? Uh, By the way, I'm just picking them to cover. They might win, sure, though. Sure, yeah. No, you get the Devlin Hodges was 7 of 9 yes. for 68 yards on great, great Sunday. I actually saw some highlights this morning. He was making some anticipatory throws. Uh, anticipatory throws. There you go. Mace, That's what I'm hanging my hat on. I think the Chargers play much better than they did last Sunday. So you're rolling I'm taking Chargers. L.A. All right. Texans at Chiefs. Funnest game this weekend. Chiefs. Not a word. Four and a half point favorites. Most fun. Uh, four and a half points for, Funnest, the, for yeah. the Chiefs. One week after they got stomped on. Zach thinks they're going to have a mad revenge game. I think it's a shootout that ends with uh, a game-winning field goal. So because of that and the numbers, I will take the Texans to cover. Love it. Mace? What's the spread again? Four and a half. Give me the Chiefs. Ah, shoot. I was hoping you went with the Texans so I could take the Chiefs. (sighs) You can still take the Chiefs. I'm not stopping you. I'd like it to be a close game as well. But Ryan reminded me of the Mad Revenge. I'm going to go Chiefs as well. And final one, tonight's game. And let me tell you, what's the opposite of funner? Less fun? No, because that's probably a word. Um, Boringest? Boringest. There Most we go. There boring. We go. Oh, We're going gosh. Giants at Patriots. New England is a 17-and-a-half point That's favorite. it, huh? That's it. No Saquon. The, oh. No everyone. Everyone except for Daniel Jones. They have Danny Dimes, and you know that Bill Belichick is going to find out a way to make his life miserable. Um, this could be clear who you're taking. something in the 45-0 to zero range. Oh, my God. I feel skeptical about this line. I don't like it at all. I think the Giants could very well cover because of Daniel Jones. But I'm no, picking, no, I'm, no, no, I'm no. picking the Patriots. If Danny Dimes goes off... <laughs> Goes off to keep it within 17 and a half. <laughs> they could I think lose 31 it honestly to could be like um, 20 to 3. I could see that yeah, happening. Yeah, 31 14. 27 10. This feels like it's going to be an utterly uninteresting game decided by three scores. So all I'm right. picking the Pats. Give you the Pats. All right. I'm telling you, I got 45 0 vibes. <laughs> no Saquon. Uh, no, they don't even have their backup running back. This is so it's going to be all on Danny Dimes, and you know, you know that Bill is going to dial up a game plan that is going to ruin his life. Yeah, so give me the Pats. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, before we move on, um, we need to award a winner. You need to have rules. Winner is Matt Attack Seven One Four. Got it nice and tight. He is this week's winner. Congratulations. Way to get it close. And email lindsay at thednvr.com, and she'll get you hooked up with your prize. Congrats again to Matt Attack for getting it nice and tight in WGT and winning this week. Remember always to get your submissions in, because even if you didn't get it the tightest of anyone, you have a chance to win our grand prize, which will be your choice of a jersey or tickets to the game. 
All right, let's move on here into the questions. Zach, you got the first one for us? Next. Er, oh, actually, the question of the week presented by Sports Column. Sorry. And, man, I've been craving some Sports Column wings. I might have to go get some tonight. Someone asked us yesterday where the best wings are in Denver, and I said, well, Ryan's a guy to ask, but I know the spiciest wings from Sports Column are your go-to. Yeah, Sports Column wings are amazing, and obviously I want to promote one of our partners. And on, they're for sure in the upper pantheon uh, of the wings in Denver. Another place, though, if you're ever – I just this place is so good that I feel like I need to give them free promotion. If you're ever in the Aurora area, there's a place called Wing Hut, and they have a sauce called something crazy. Like it's the hottest one. Or something. Yeah, <laughs> like I think it's actually called Way Too Hot. It's for sure called Way Too Hot. And that one, it's actually not Way Too Hot. It's perfect, but very hot and delicious. Do you like yourself? That's the question I ask if you're going to eat something that hot. Yeah, of course. You you enjoy your life? Not only Everything do I, okay? Yeah. Not only do I eat all of the wings, I then take the celery. I don't even worry about the ranch. I just start scooping up the sauce. <laughs> That's wow. how good it is. I would die. I would die. I'd cry. I uh I have this this hot sauce called um it's Marie Sharp's. It's their hottest version. And it's so good. It's like a habanero based sauce. And last night, um, I had already put it all over my food, but my girlfriend oh my wanted a bite. Gosh. And I thought I found her a bite that didn't have <laughs> it on it. So I gave it to her, and I was quite wrong. It was an ordeal. It's a smart way to never have your girlfriend touch your food. Honestly, I, that's why I just go for the hot <laughs> sauce right away. But then uh, I felt like I should give it to her, and I didn't mean to do that, I swear. <laughs> Anyways, question of the week presented by Sports Column Zach. What was the question? What's the key to turning the Broncos seasoned around? And we have the first response coming in from Simon Crockett. It says, confidence and Flacco not dropping head over on turnovers. Okay, so confidence. And also not taking foot off the gas after the second quarter. Uh, Zach G says, have the opposing quarterback shove Isaac Yadam every game. What? I, I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Amen, bad one. Letting Fangio do what he needs to do. Also, more opportunity for the young players. Jones, Duke, AJ, Royce, Phil, Reisner, Fant, Sutton, Locke. Looks like they will be the young core. Justin Jones getting right to the point. Says, do what he needs to do mean go to the box? (laughs) To have a Vic in the box. Yep. (laughs) Bronco Broad says, consistency. Seth Moldenhauer says, getting and staying healthy, believing in themselves. I'm with you on that one. Let's be real, though. Don't turn it around. We don't need another season where we're close. Drew needs to play at least four games. Mm. Harry Urban says. What is your your threshold? How many games does he need to play this year for you? Four. Five. I'm at five as well. I still feel like... like what if what if he plays bad in the first two and a half games and then he has a good half and then he has one good game at the end of the season? What if Raiders game week seventeen is total garbage because neither team cares so they're all playing the backups? That's not a true evaluation. Well, well, I think also with five it gets him a first home start against the Chargers, which is nice. Then going to Houston and Kansas City in back to back weeks, it's a good start to open at home. Five is the ideal number, but I think four is a good sample size. Harry Urban. Simply says, I don't want them to. Mm. Stop to say that now. <laughs> if they get rolling. Exactly. And it's just, I mean, look how much more fun this week has been. Mm-hmm. 
so much more fun. It has been. It has been. Next one coming in from Gunnar Kane. It's a gif of Drew Locke. I'm with you on that. Next one's from Christian Conway. The offense finding a balance between the run and pass that keeps opposing defenses off balance. We saw a glimpse of it on the first drive against the Chargers. Preston, Preston Epley, changing expectations. If viewed from a win-loss perspective, it'll likely be a disappointment. But the expectation is, but if the expectation is young guys step up, produce, lead, and indicate a promising future, then that would be a turnaround from what could be another lost season. Ron Patton says switching schedules with the Patriots. Yeah. Man, they have a favorable look. <laughs> uh, South Park King, Vic needs to go up to the booth. It's where he's comfortable and is used to being. You won't, probably won't get any arguments here. It's my Vic and I'm back. <laughs> Timothy, yeah. to do it by the end of the pod. I'm not doing it. Come on, Mace. <laughs> Timothy Pierce, get and stay healthy on the O-line. If Bowles continues his recent play, our O-line could end up being borderline top 10 in the NFL. That makes everything easier on Flacco, Lindsey, and Freeman. We need Justin Timbermace. <laughs> not happening. There's right. a line I'm drawing here, and I'm not crossing it. <laughs> well, we'll get him one day. Unless I'm drunk. Slowly but surely, we'll break you down, Mace. <laughs> some Breckenridge breweries, or some Breckenridge brews will yep. help you with that. All right. Um, oh, I went and clicked on the wrong I podcast. I can't chug beer. It would have to be like cider or cocktails. Let me introduce you to the Flabongo, and you'll be able to <laughs> chug a beer. All right, let's get into the questions from the listeners on yesterday's podcast. Um, who wants to start? First one coming in from Orange, California, Orange and Blue. He says, what's happening, guys? Hands down, this is still the best podcast for our Denver Broncos. Hold nothing back and don't blow bubbles and hold punches about the team. A breath of fresh air for sure. Sunday was a good win, but definitely made me wanting more from the offense in the third quarter and make us look and make me look long term and see what athletic, big armed quarterback in Locke could do in this offense. I'm just scared that if we keep winning, Locktober might get pushed back to Drew Vember. Or Drew Sember. <laughs> yeah, Drew Sember is what you really have to worry about. January. No games then unless you're in the playoffs, though. That's true. I only have one question comment that I'd love feedback on. Does anyone else seem to notice that Seven has taken a back seat this season so far? I know he's in the locker room and definitely traveling with the team, but he hasn't been highlighted or show on the broadcast as much, and I don't remember him on the sideline following the games as he used to do. With rumblings of Elway possibly needing to hire another general manager and just take his role as president of football instead of doing both, that would align with him taking a step back. Have yourselves a nice cold break and let's go Broncos. Okay, you've had five games so far this season. The first one, Monday Night Football, but it was the secondary Monday Night Football crew. And then the rest of the games until this past Sunday were called by the number four, number five, number six type crews from Fox and CBS. The significance of that is they just don't have as many cameras. Mm. So that's three games right there where you probably weren't able to see a camera devoted to John Elway in the box. I'll be honest, though. Whenever we go outside, I look uh, over at the parking spots. John's car has not been there more this year than any other year I've noticed. I've noticed that, too. Um, next one's from ATL Bronco. Oh. and ATL being the key yes, part. Yes, ATL is, is definitely the key part here. He just says, at Mace, sad face. It was a sad day sad yesterday. Face. At least I mean, it was quick. It's no, a good but I would rather actually – yeah, I know hope can be tough, but – at least let's keep it competitive for a few innings here. I mean, literally, the game was over in 20 minutes. And you had emotionally detached yourself at that point. So I you turned, didn't have the emotional letdown like Dodgers fans. I turned the game off at 5 nothing. I turned it back on in the third, and it was basically just background noise from that point forward. I'm telling you. I walked you. in and out of it. I mean, I keep play, you know, I 
played in the backyard with my daughter for a little bit. We played some soccer because the weather was still nice, and I just but I was checked out. I'm telling you, that's better than than losing an extra. Innings. Okay, all right, you guys, you guys are Bronco fans. Would you rather lose Super Bowl in the last second, or would you rather lose forty three eight with the first snap going askew like the Broncos did back in Super Bowl forty eight? Super Bowl is a little bit different though because it's like it's like embarrassing. Well, what was that? <laughs> what was the worst? It's, but the whole world wasn't watching. In- the whole yeah. world wasn't watching. Well, but the whole world knew about it because it was the worst single <laughs> half inning in the history of postseason baseball, which goes back one hundred and sixteen years. Uh, all right, you make a fair point, but. I still think it's a di- like if you just if you ask me uh, first uh, first round playoff game like would you rather lose in a heartbreak or lose in a blowout I I might take the blowout but and it's on the national stage in the Super Bowl when everyone's expecting a lot of you and then you just completely lay an egg that's a bad place to be and the Broncos know it better than anyone else. It's true. Virginia Beach Broncos didn't get this in in time yesterday. Trying once more. Just off the top of my head, here are three connections between the Denver Broncos and the city of Vladivostok. How did we get here? <laughs> Number one, perhaps the most famous person born in Vladivostok was the late actor Yul Brynner, born Yuli Borosovich Briner. Yul Brynner, though most famous for The King and I and the original Westworld, also had a bit role in the less well-known 1972 movie Fuzz starring Raquel Welch and Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds is the first thing I've understood in this entire comment. <laughs> As we all know, Burt Reynolds played the role of Coach Nate Scarborough in Adam Sandler's 2000 remake of The Longest Yard. Terrible movie. Don't forget that Burt Reynolds was also in the original Longest <laughs> Yard, which was much better. But former Denver Bronco Bill Romanowski also appeared in the remake of The Longest Yard as a prison guard. That's a good six degrees of separation. Wow. Number two, little-known war trivia. American forces saw action and casualties during the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia, in particular the 31st Infantry Regiment, formed on the eve of World War I, was deployed to Vladivostok in 1918 to prevent Allied war material from being looted. Make sure you're taking notes. There'll be a test on this later. It was their time in frigid Siberia that earned the 31st nickname the Polar Bear Regiment, a moniker that remains to this day. In 1941, a polar bear named Velox arrived at the Denver Zoo and a decade later was named the 31st Infantry Regiment's mascot. The Denver Zoo is located in Denver, as are the Denver Broncos. Did you guys do... Wow. (laughs) Did you name... What's it called? Vladivostok? No, we just referenced it one day. How? I did not reference (laughs) it, let's be clear. (laughs) Number three for Mr. B. Number four, most obviously the name Vladivostok is often shortened to just Vlad. The most famous Vlad, of course, was Vlad the Impaler, the Romanian prince, who is the inspiration for the character Dracula. (laughs) Dracula was a vampire, as we all know. As we all know, former Denver Bronco legend Tim Tebow appeared in an episode of Spike's Lip Sync Battle that aired on February February 4th, 2016. I didn't know that, but I don't pay attention to that sort of thing. Tebow was victorious with performances of Take Your Time and Eye of the Tiger, who he beat Actress Nina Dobrev, famous for her role on the TV series The Vampire Diaries. Holy cow. Wow. Holy cow. Either that is Virginia incredible. Beach Broncos either is the smartest person in our community, probably tied with Mace, or... Has way just, too much time on his hands. Or... Or, or her. It's just a fantastic storyteller. That's great. And Very a true. great imagination. Credit where it's due. <laughs> Although I would have expected wild. the vampire stuff to come from Count Flacula. I'm sure there's something from Count today. 
Next one's from Space Jam. Bonjour, mes, mes amis. Mes amis. <laughs> Howdy from Paris. This that is my was f- our shout-out city. Hey. Oh, there we go. <laughs> this is my first comment, but I've been riding with you guys for a couple years years now. Love the pod and massively dig the Mace Hire, us two. Zach said that he was curious about any Paris connection, and well, here I am. My wife is from Paris, and I am teaching at a French university, and it's nice to be able to listen to the pod across the pond. As a Denver native living in France, I often find myself listening to you guys while wearing my orange and blue to feel more at home. It works. I have a few, uh, Paris, Parisian? Parisian. Parisian friends who love rugby, and thus I found a way to convert them into Broncos fans. They've been with us since Super Bowl 50, and even in this era of suck, my French compatriots are as excited as ever, especially with this youth movement we have now. C'est bon. While discussing French rugby and American football, I found my Parisian chums frustrated with the number of missed tackles the Broncos D left out there in the last few games. For a novice rugby viewer, I've noticed tackles are far more technically clean, focused, and effective. Curious if Mace knows this, but are there defensive minds throughout the NFL now or in history that drew from the tackling techniques of rugby? It seems safer and far more effective. Love the pod, love the fam, and vive les Broncos. Not particularly, but certainly we've seen rugby some rugby is. players getting shots in the NFL, and the truth is rugby tackling, I think you're going to start seeing more of that, and as the game tries to have less emphasis on helmet-to-helmet contact, Form tackling, the rules obviously are prohibiting helmet-to-helmet contact. What I think we'll see is football start resembling rugby a little bit more. Certainly rugby is a more open game, more flowing game uh, than football. And if we see more emphasis on that style of play, more spreading out the field horizontally, etc., it's possible we could see uh, more rugby-style tackling, and uh, who knows? Maybe it's a game that starts resembling, for example, rugby sevens. Well, you referenced forty-three to eight, unfortunately, and uh, Pete Carroll actually is a bit famous for his rugby tackling style techniques. So that's one person that I know uh, has preached it in the NFL, and I think since then it's become a pretty big thing in the younger uh, football circles. You know, in in high school and below that. So. With that in mind, I think you will start to see that be, you know, more of a thing. In the end, you know, rugby players don't have the um, luxury of having a massive plastic weapon on their heads. They have to protect their heads when they tackle, and they do a great job of it. Which is one reason why I'd like to see a CTE study done with rugby players to see if there's a lower incidence of CTE and other neurocognitive disorders in rugby players than football players because there are some who theorized that the helmets in American football are actually part of the problem. I would be willing to bet that rugby players experience it less, but it would be interesting. Next one coming in from Cole Vosell, and I like this one. He leaves a TLDR just in case we're in a time crunch. You know what, Cole? We are in a time crunch. That's so actually I'm, a bluff. I'm, yeah, a, b- a bluff. Bluff. <laughs> and so hey, we're going to read that one. I appreciate it, Cole. He says, do the Broncos still have to pay the full salaries to players who never dress because of injuries, or do they save any money? Yes, they pay the same amount. The only way they don't is if they put a player on injured reserve during training camp or the preseason and the contract is structured in a way where they get less money if they go on IR. If you recall, that was something that came up with Kenny McKinley. When he was put on injured reserve back in 2010, he was on one of those split contracts that ensured that if he went on IR in the preseason, he only got a fraction of his salary. He was having some financial difficulties and uh, sadly committed suicide 
in September of 2010. All right, before we move on to the next question here, I want to give a shout-out to Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. The only way that you can support us and get drunk at the same time is by drinking <laughs> Breckenridge Brews. I guess you could just drink anything that you bought from Total Beverage or Davidson's. But Breckenridge Brews, they're worldwide, and so you can drink them. And, and cheers to us metaphorically. And you never know. It's kind of like when you're like in love with someone and you're like, we're both looking at the same moon, even though we're across the world. I bet Zach's done that with his girlfriend. Um, it's like that. You just drink a beer and you hold up your glass and there's a chance that somewhere another member of the BSN family is holding up their glass as well. Oh, beautiful. And it's, beautiful. it's a cross country cheers. I'll do that tonight. You should. And you could also tonight uh, hit up the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flower concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I wonder if there's people like in Colorado, words like flower and edibles have become part of the uh, the normal lexicon. I wonder if there's anyone who listens to this and is like, what is it? What, is it? <laughs> oh, I'm what does sure, that place sell? I'm sure there's both. Exactly. Cole Bosell then commented on his comment and said, great comment, Cole. Wow. <laughs> he forgot to switch to his burner account. <laughs> <laughs> Next one coming in from Warmack14 says, hey, guys, great coverage as always. One. For sure, Jaguars. Thank you. Nope. Two, Wrong. sorry for the Atlanta game, Mace. Yes. That's all right. Three, Mr. B. Four, got family in Paris, Texas. All right, that Paris, counts. Paris, Texas. <laughs> Five, I work for a custom hose fabrication shop down in Odessa. Going to have to put my resume in with DRC to facilitate my pilgrimage to Denver. Love it. Boom. Six, 17 days till my first strawberry sky. That's all I got. No more wins, please. <laughs> wow, he did say no. I, I read that as more wins, please. That's how good of a mood I'm in today. Oh, man. Um, speaking of Breckenridge beers and strawberry skies and all that good stuff, make sure you come by our tailgate before the game on Sunday. It might be crappy out right now, but it will be a nice 70 degrees on Sunday for the game. We'll be in lot N with the Sons of Mile High. It's a great time. Uh, there will be plenty of Breck brews and food and, and all the other things you like to do at a tailgate. All there. We got beer bongs and shot skis and all mingo things no flabongos that's <laughs> that's reserved for the buffs sorry <laughs> if you come to a buffs tailgate you can totally hit up a flabongo warmack chimes in again and says pineapple belongs on pizza damn right pineapple and canadian bacon is my go-to pizza right, where are you on this uh i said there's a certain age where you change so i've changed but yeah. my daughter likes it she's seven yeah she's that's her favorite pizza yeah she's sophisticated wait you're saying once you reach a certain age, you don't like it or you, you do? do? Like oh, it. Yeah. I always thought kids would like it because it's sweet. Oh, I always thought it was too sophisticated. I think it's fantastic. And <laughs> and I hate the whole, like, don't put don't put fruit on pizza or, like, don't put fruit in your beer. My entire philosophy is if it tastes good, do it. What and it definitely tastes good. What introduced me to pineapple on pizza, the great Shakespeare's Pizza Parlor in Columbia, Missouri, across the street from the University of Missouri campus, I would have Canadian bacon and pineapple. Is that like a On specialty there? No, I just had it. It was the oh, first time I'd had it. I was going to say tremendous. we can run it by Drew. Yes. <laughs> the true son himself. Yeah, Count Flacula. Gents, I am curious as to the following. Mace, top three favorite candies of all time, other than chocolate dipped in peanut butter, and will any of these candies get product placement in Dead Tone 2? Three. Well, answer the question. Well, I was going to go with Zach. going to read them all, but okay. <laughs> um, well... Okay, I, I got to go with Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. That's like the best mass market um, peanut butter 
candy. There is a candy shop in Asheville, North Carolina, that is called the Chocolate Fetish. And what they do is they do dried fruit that is wrapped, that has a layer of dark chocolate wrapped around it. So mm. you can get like a mango with Ooh. dark chocolate or Zach, a banana. Right Zach, yeah, it's great. unbelievable. So I'm going to say those are like right there in that top three. All right. I'd love it. Anyway, Zach, you're For three. me, real quick. Sorry. Cookies and cream Hershey's bar with mm. the white chocolate and the little crunchy cookie thing mm. in there. Yeah. That's it's hard to beat. That's hard to beat. I love Nerds Blizzards. Okay. <laughs> so weird. Well, Colorado, apparently Colorado loves Nerds because it's the most searched for candy. In Colorado, according to one of, one of those stupid state-by-state state things they had last <laughs> Colorado week. Colorado does love nerds. That's why you're so popular on this podcast. Hey, no. <laughs> oh. Zach, your three biggest fears other than tarantula migrations. That would certainly be one. <laughs> Spiders and snakes. We'll throw those in. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't think of what a third would be. I, I don't live my life in fear, just unless there's spiders or snakes around. Not, don't spiders, look. but that counts in tarantulas, so you need a third. What about like tornadoes? You seem like a tornado. Yeah, Hurricanes, no, not, earthquakes. I'm not afraid of any of that stuff. If I because you lived in Colorado your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> living without air conditioning in the summer, living without heat in the winter. I'm I'm pretty adaptable. Uh, the dark. No, no. Even the heights. T- we'll go big spiders and small spiders. Right, Carnies, <laughs> as Austin Powers feared. A what? Carnies. That was his, one of his fears. He feared nuclear war. Carnies. Circus freak, nomads, you know. <laughs> Smell like cabbage, small hands. <laughs> My three favorite midnight snacks, he asks. I'm not much of a midnight snacker. So let me guess, uh, white chocolate cookies and cream bar. <laughs> no. Uh, Chicken wings? M- nope. PB&J. If I'm going to have a late night meal, it's pretty much always going to be PB&J, as long as I'm not on keto, which I'm back on the wagon. Um so PB is what you no? Can you have PB? Yeah, well you can. Or P. I can't have the J or the thing right. that wraps around <laughs> it. Um, I also at late night like a, a protein shake. Get some slow burning protein in the body for while you <laughs> while you sleep. Um, the the most unhealthy one that I used to do when I was in college, Ego waffles with a nice layer of Nutella. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Sounds like something my kid would try. Yeah, it's good. It's Sound- bomb. It's definitely sounds keto friendly too. Definitely not. <laughs> Love <laughs> the count. P.S. Zach, we are putting cover sheets on all our TPS reports. Ask Mason; he can get you seventy-five <laughs> copies of the memo. <laughs> Why are we talking about TPS reports? You just really yesterday. wanted to reference. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it, the whole thing of reporting to eight different bosses, having different bosses you report to, came up. We're talking about what uh, Deontay Spencer. How sure. if he feel, fails to field a kickoff return right. properly inside, it, if he chooses to do it inside the 10-yard line, he's going to hear it from Tom McMahon. He's going to hear it from Vic Fangio. So he's hearing it from different bosses. Probably hears it from another coach, too. Makes a lot of sense. And before we move on, shout out to Denver, Denver Rubber Company. Um, they're a local business, and that's always really important to us here at DNVR. And, and they could maybe join forces with us and become the DNVR rubber company if they want. Uh, but since 1972, they've provided the greatest and highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets and molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. They offer innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries all over the place, and they're going to help our guy who just commented 
transition to Denver as he works in the hose business. <laughs> exactly. Uh, at, DN, at, at, at DRC, you'll never get hosed. But <laughs> they do have great, high-quality rubber. So visit drcfirst.com backslash DNVR or call them at 1-800-259-0010. Next one coming in from Iceman. He says, hey, boys, Miss Iceman and I will be watching the Titans game from Cold Alamosa with family on Sunday afternoon. No further comments until after the game. I picked the Broncos last week. My prediction is... Tennessee 20, Broncos 17. It's just a math thing, DNVR fam. Go Broncos, DNVR, Air Force Falcons. Love you three. Miss Ryan. Well, he's back, so what a great way to send you into your weekend. I'm glad at least someone missed me. I was getting a little (laughs) nervous out there. Next one's from Burrito Chad. He says, hey, guys, from your observation point of view, what does the interaction between players on the same team look like when incidental contact caused one player to severely injure another player? For example, what does the interaction between Bosby and Johnson look like? Do they say we are teammates and just hug it out? Does it depend on the player? Does it depend on the time missed? Just curious to know the way the relationships uh, and the way it looks for people involved. Not just the effect it has from a football standpoint. Thanks, guys. Burrito chat. I would say in 99.99% of the instances, there's no ill feelings, no malice. Everybody gets the nature of football, gets guys moving at a high speed, having not a lot of control in that particular play, understanding that if Austin Eckler doesn't unexpectedly kind of dive there, there's no helmet-to-helmet collision between Alexander Johnson and Devontae Bosby. I've never heard of any issues in the locker room because of two players colliding with each other. In the end, everyone's uh, every defensive player has run into one of their teammates, and they've been run into by one of their teammates. And unfortunately, in this case, it was just helmet-to-helmet. There would, there, I mean, I really can't envision a scenario where a player would be mad at their teammate I in this com- case. I completely agree, and I did not see anything that yeah. would guide me differently in this case. In fact, you rarely even see people being upset at the other team when right. that when these things happen unless it's like a Vontez perfect exactly yeah. exactly count flacula why do few so few o-liming use numbers in the 50s i noticed quentin nelson does and it looks really rad also i wish we would have drafted him <laughs> love the count i think a lot of offensive linemen kind of figure that the right number is in the 60s or 70s they have the option of wearing numbers in the 50s 50s tend to be a little more of a linebacker number although now that linebackers can also go in the 40s in the nfl and sometimes in the 90s, if they run out of room, maybe you'll see a few more offensive linemen taking numbers in the 50s. I, I think it looks cool as well. Actually, to me, the ideal number for a center is number 50. Mm. For some reason, that just that yeah. number feels right to me for a center is 50. Um, I think that the number guidelines in the NFL are dumb. I, I agree. Every player should be able to wear whatever the hell they if want. If a quarterback wants to be number 88, he can be number 88 yes. in my opinion. Why? It's not like it matters. I realize there's like stuff about eligible receivers, but well, even that, it's very easy to counteract. Just let them wear whatever they want. Well, the reason it first came up was because the NFL wanted to have fans more easily identify players to know what position they were based on their numbers. So that's why the NFL became so rigid on saying for a long time, only quarterbacks, punters, and place kickers can be between 1 and 19. Of course, now receivers can go 10 and 19. And now you look at the Broncos receiving core, there's not one guy who has a number in the 80s, and that used to be the, the thing, the standard. Everyone wants lower numbers because they're cooler. And the fact that place kickers and punters get to use them <laughs> is maybe the worst part of this whole thing. Shouldn't wide receivers wear the number 1? Isn't that the perfect wide receiver number? Yes. Yes. Just like Damian Harrell in the uh, of Arena, Arena Football. Football League. Or number two. Zero should also be allowed. All, 
all cool players should be able to have cool numbers. <laughs> and it bothers me that one through nine is is only kickers, punters, and quarterbacks. Of course, I'm here for the chaos. I'd be okay with triple digits. Okay, that's nice. a, if you want to be number one, two, three, go for it. Remember Indiana a couple of years ago had a quarterback who was like number twenty-two. It was awesome. Doug I, Flutie I was it. number twenty-two in college for ball, at BC Michigan's back in the day. Quarterback back in the day. Um. Uh. Hair, uh. And then was a running back. The, the shoelaces. He didn't tie his shoelaces. He didn't. Something Robinson. Yep. Exactly. D Robinson. Yeah. We're piecing it together. Next one coming in. From what Bumpy. number was he? Eighty-eight. Oh, in yeah. College. Yep, yep. Oh, that was so baller. Denard Robinson. Denard, yep, yep there and we go. He didn't tie his shoes. And of course, you have a running back, Ty Montgomery in the NFL, who wears a number in the A's because he's a converted receiver. Oh, that's true. Yep. That's true. Next one coming in from Bumpy Buffalo. He says, one, Colville Sell. Do you think that Locke would be more helpful with young player development on an individual level as Flacco would be? By your own statement, you would rather see Flacco for the year to develop those individual players. I want Locke ASAP. I think Allen would provide just more excitement with his personality. What? I don't even think he will be better than Flacco, but at least should be fun to watch. Best case, he tanks it and Locke takes oh, okay. over immediately. Worst case, he gels and gets in the groove and provides a spark that mo- motivates this team. Doesn't seem all that crazy to me. Thoughts? Yeah, it I seems mean, crazy. It is the year of the backup. Kyle Allen looks good. Uh, Teddy B looks good. Heck, Mason Rudolph didn't look half bad. Mason Rudolph looked all right. Who's another one? Um, Joe Flack. Oh, his number's yeah. Oh, wow. Brandon okay. Allen? Not yet. Two, do you guys have the, any other news about how Locke is doing on his throwing? Look good throwing pregame uh, before the Chargers. Frankly, if it was not for the NFL's IR rules, he'd be already out back on the practice field. Yeah, uh, as far as I've been told, the pain is little to none. Three, so. Mr. B. Four, news and timeline on Callahan's return. Um, well, yesterday, yeah, yesterday, Fangio said, Callahan's the only one that's not practicing, and you don't have to ask me about him for a while. Oh, that's when the coach is frustrated. Yeah. By the lack it's of ability. Be a long yeah. time. Should have put him on injured reserve, not Drew Locke. Yeah, and last week, Vic said oh. injured reserve is still a possibility for him. Five, I listened to another pod, and they said, and they that said, said, they are oh. your Denver. You take it? Okay. <laughs> I listened to another pod, and they said that they are your Denver football priests. My initial thought was if they are the football priests, then you guys are the football cardinals. Mace, you may have to explain the hierarchy of the Catholic Church. I was just about to say, Mace, please explain this to me. Because cardinals are a couple of steps above the priests. It start at the bottom of the deacons and the priests and the bishops and the cardinals and the archbishops and the pope. Yeah, I do, I, there's one thing that I don't like about this is why, why aren't we the why pope? bumpy buffalo aren't we the popes <laughs> maybe because well, they're gonna wait, be can, one you can only have one pope all right so i'm the pope well, i don't know what you guys <laughs> wait who's been covering this team for long <laughs> all right fine you can have it Mace. <laughs> so uh, we are your pope and the cardinal and the two cardinals or just maybe we can all be cardinals and we'll figure out who the maybe the pope is someone like jeff legwald or something i mean as a hall of fame voter i've been a cardinal since kyler and cliff got there anyway, so. <laughs> oh man alive <laughs> sir james radio i have to ask am i the only one screaming leave Theo Riddick on the IR. I didn't like the signing in the offseason, but at least you could somewhat justify it by saying Phil and Royce had good rookie years, but there's no telling if that will repeat. I mean, that's grasping at straws, but I get it. 
Five games into the season, you can see it's not a fluke, so why on earth would you want to take touches from Phil? I get that Theo is essentially a wide receiver in the backfield, but Phil is a home run threat from anywhere on the field. I just don't agree with taking touches from your best player. Just reactivate Drew and Butt to get looks at them and call it a season. No reason to rush Bosby back from such a scare in what looks like, all op- optimism aside, a lost season. Well, I think the one thing with Riddick, if you start, here's something that I think will happen. If the Broncos activate two players other than Theo Riddick, they'll have a wave of injuries at running back. Oh, man. Just, it's always how Thanks. it works, right? Touch wood, Mace. Touch wood. <laughs> no, but it doesn't seem like it works that way. Yeah, no, it does. Like um. corner, This year it's cornerback on the defensive side. You just can't get healthy at that position. Yeah, theor- uh, I, there's reporting out there that Theoretic uh, might not be brought back off of IR. So something Try to trade him if you're not going to bring him back off of IR, though. Can you trade someone on IR? Yeah, you can. I okay. Mean. From the Manning Face God, hey, guys, do you think Philip Lindsay's recent success with Jano being back, uh, will F- Scangarello mo- use him more? The Broncos' offense just flows and looks a lot more dangerous when Phil is in. You got my vote on that. Yeah, yeah, and, and he was used – Jano was used 16%. In his first game back, he was 31% last game. And based on that, we should be up to almost 60% this week. Exactly, exactly. Next one coming in from Kentucky UDFA says, short and sweet, that hold two at Pebble Beach is no joke. Congrats to whoever wins today. Mad attack. Albert BD, Mace, before I say anything, I offer my condolences for that game five in Atlanta. If you want to look on the positive side, at least you didn't end up in a blowout every game of the series like game five turned out to be. The Rockies' World Series appearance still gives me PTSD. But hey, at least the Dodgers lost. Here's the problem. The Dodgers lose and the Braves lose to the Cardinals. So I'm officially rooting for the Meteor in the NLCS. Ouch. Cardinals Nationals. Rooting for Bane. (laughs) Something like that. Quick question for the day. What should we expect from Cody Sensabaugh? Thanks for the time, guys. Sensabaugh, he's a vet. There's a reason why he was out there until now. He actually had his best season coverage-wise last year for the Steelers, so you hope that he can build off that. It was interesting talking to him on Wednesday. He talked about having to do some different things to stay in shape because, of course, he wasn't with a team not only the last few weeks, but not even for preseason and training camp. So like he'd do like long-distance runs, long-distance swims, and things like that to try to shock his system, as he said, to where he felt he could be ready when a team called on him. And the last one we got here is from BC Bronco. Gents, shocked you were unaware of Canadian Thanksgiving in all of its glory. I thought you brought up Canadian Thanksgiving. I brought it up, but I said, oh, what kind of food did they eat there? And then I looked and realized it was basically the same as U.S. Thanksgiving. He says, Thanksgiving takes place in this this year on this upcoming Monday. For food, we will be having a 22-pound turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, gravy, cranberry, the jelly type in our house. You chose wisely. Uh, We're on the same page there. (laughs) And fresh-baked, nomad, homemade rolls or biscuits. Dessert is usually warm pumpkin pie and vanilla ice cream or whipped cream. Usually some type of crisp apple or berry. Love apple crisp. Mace was right by the... Uh-oh. Mace was right by the time of U.S. Thanksgiving. Canada's in full winter mode. And even most of B.C. with the exception of the lower mainland, like the Vancouver area. And on Vancouver Island, where I live. If you're ever up in this region, let me know. I would love to show off my hometown, and I'm sure you'd fall in love with it, too. My mom and dad... Uh, did when they moved from Colorado in 1980. Thanks as always. Hope this makes Thursday's pod. Cheers, BC Bronco. Do you live in Victoria? I've been to Victoria. It's the only spot I've been to on Vancouver Island. My wife and I absolutely loved it. If we weren't living in Colorado, we were looking to just go someplace else, or if for some reason we felt like we had to leave the country, 
Victoria, British Columbia on Vancouver Island is probably the top of the list of places we want to live. It's glorious there. Wow. I got to go check that out. And we didn't give a city of the day since we got Paris knocked off. I'm going to throw out Quebec. Ah. Stay up there in the north. Quebec City. Yes. All right. Uh, Yeah. That's going to wrap it up for us today as we have to go speak with Vic Fangio. So with that in mind, have a great day, and we will talk to you after the game on the BSN Broncos podcast. Who wants to make some money? Everyone. Everyone wants to make some money. So here's the easiest way to add a few bucks to the wallet. Denver's newest travel hack is here, and it's called Drift Car Sharing. Drift shares locally owned cars with incoming travelers at Denver Airport for a better experience than car rental. Skip the chaos and save on time and fees when you book. Or you can share your car to earn and park for free when you travel. Plus, there's no under 25 fee rule, so it's perfect for friends coming in to visit. Drift is great if you're going home for break and perfect for extended travel like a semester abroad. Allstate Insurance covers your car for every trip and and Drift cleans it for you inside and out. That's right. Even if your car is rented out while you travel, isn't rented out while you travel, Drift will clean your car upon your arrival. Get all the info on Drift.com. That's drivedrift.com. Drivedrift.com.